You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Remember, you can also, as a lot of you are no longer commuting, a lot of you no longer going to the gym, and all those things are for your safety, please be respectful and, and safe out there with everything going on with the coronavirus. But the easiest thing to do if you're home and you have a Bluetooth device, if you have a Google Home, an Alexa, just tell it to play Locked on Packers and it will do it. A lot to get to today, not a lot of movement for the Packers. This is a lot like yesterday where there is a lot of things Packers related to talk about, but not anything directly Packers, except we will talk about some reports on Wednesday about some players the Packers are apparently interested in and where they can still go from here. We're going to do another show tomorrow morning. So this is going to go up Wednesday night, the 18th. Thursday morning, we will have a show, you know, early morning, somewhere in that 10, 30, 11 o'clock range, Eastern time. And, you know, then we'll, we'll get back on a more normal schedule Friday morning. We'll be back out first thing in the morning. The big news of the day on Wednesday was... The Chicago Bears traded a fourth-round pick to the Jaguars for Nick Foles. This is big for a number of reasons. Number one, it adds stability at the quarterback position for a division rival for the Packers. Nick Foles had his best season in a version of the offense that Matt Nagy runs and coached by John DeFilippo, who is now the quarterback's coach in Chicago. That Super Bowl season was Nick Foles' charmed season. He came in for Carson Wentz and led the Eagles to a Super Bowl. This spells the end, frankly, whatever the Bears want to say. This is the end of Mitch Trubisky and the experiment in Chicago. It's just done. And that makes the Bears a significantly better team. When you go back and you look at what Chicago was last year, they were still a very good defensive team. Now, they regressed from all-time great And that was to be expected. But they were still a good defense. They still have Khalil Mack. They still have Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. They still have a lot of good defensive players. And we expect this defense should be good. Again, they were eighth by DVOA in 2019. That's still a very good defense. And so now you you bring in a competent quarterback. Just a competent quarterback in Nick Foles. And and he can be more than that. But just giving them something that is above replacement level, which Mitch Trubisky was not. Mitch Trubisky was and has always been one of the worst quarterbacks in football. You bring in Nick Foles and now he gets to throw to Allen Robinson. He gets to throw to Anthony Miller and Tariq Cohen and now Jimmy Graham 
and you have David Montgomery. None of these players are great. Allen Robinson is a very, very good player. The side pieces are not great, and I did not mean side pieces like that. <laughs> the ancillary pieces, the tertiary pieces, the secondary pieces, they're not great. But when you put them all together in an offense that can be explosive if utilized correctly from the quarterback position, this is an offense that I think will be better and, and significantly so in 2020. That makes them a dangerous team. And in the hierarchy of the NFC, particularly the hierarchy of the NFC North, I think this moves them in front of a team like the Vikings who has done nothing but hemorrhage players over the course of this offseason. Now, they also made a move on Wednesday. They signed Michael Pierce, the defensive tackle from the Ravens, to a three-year deal. And so that bolsters their interior. They, they cut Linval Joseph, and they needed an interior run stuffer. That had been a problem for them. If you can keep linemen off Eric Kendricks, he can fly around and make plays. Same with Harrison Smith. They still have plenty of questions. They do not have cornerbacks that are reliable in their secondary. But this was a player that a lot of Packer fans wanted. The Vikings got him, and even if he's just an okay player, a solid player, he's a player that doesn't move the needle a ton for the Vikings, certainly does not replace the level of play that Linval Joseph at his best could give them, but now he can't be on the Packers, and for fans, I think that's the biggest story here. You never want to see a player that you really liked go to a rival, but in a broader sense, what you want is for that player to go to your team and not someone else. And so by going to a different team, by definition, he cannot come to your team. Now, there are still players on the market, defensive linemen who could help Green Bay as of this recording. Snacks Harrison is still out there. Andrew Billings is still out there. Sean Robinson is still out there. And, you know, who knows what the market is going to be for those guys. I thought Linval Joseph would get have a much smaller market than he ended up having, ended up getting a really nice deal in free agency. That I did not expect that at all. And, and Vernon Butler got a really nice deal in free agency. I did not expect that. So sometimes teams value these guys differently than you're, than you're going to anticipate. And that makes the market difficult to predict. And that's always the case because in free agency, this, this money gets really funny really fast. And that's been true. Now, again, there are still players out there that Green Bay could sign and, and make them better. You also look at what they did in their pre-draft process at Indianapolis. They did a ton of study on these day two defensive linemen, Justin Matabuike, Ross Blacklock, Neville Gallimore, all of these guys that are going to be available in all likelihood on day two that could come in and be in that two defensive linemen lineup that is Mike Pettin's favorite formation. More than 60% of the snaps last year were taken with two or fewer defensive linemen. And they don't have a second defensive lineman right now that they can count on to be that guy. In a perfect world, it's Montrevious Adams. He didn't take the step forward that the coaches and even his teammates thought he would in 2019. Kingsley Kiki could be that guy. And I, I really like Kiki. I thought he was much better than where he got drafted. And I thought that, you know, going in. So... I, and he showed some flashes last year. Dean Lowry is a nice 3-4 defensive end. Well, if less than half the time you're not playing really a true 3-4 defensive end because they're not really playing a true 3-4 if you're not playing three down linemen and, and four linebackers, which they rarely do, 
then his value is lessened because he's not a great interior player. And so if you're having to play Tyler Lancaster, you know, if you, if you ranked the defensive lineman by quality for the Packers, Kenny Clark is one, Dean Lowry is two, and then there is not really a close third. But the problem is, in these two defensive linemen fronts, which Green Bay wants to play, Dean Lowry is not an ideal second interior defensive lineman. He's not a nose tackle. He's not a three technique. He's not really an interior defensive lineman. He is a defensive end in a 3-4 scheme. And so that leaves the Packers wondering who they can put in that spot. That player still could be out there. Again, Snacks Harrison would be at the top of my list. Danny Shelton would have been another name at his price point, you know, $4 million a year that I would have considered. But again, there are also players in the draft that it could be. You could be using high draft capital. And this is what signing Christian Kirksey and Rick Wagner do for you in the draft. You have stopgap solutions now. And so if a, a good defensive lineman, a guy that you just love, is there in the second round and you've only taken one of offensive tackle, wide receiver, or linebacker, which by definition you have because it's your second pick. If you're in the second round, though, and that's the situation you're in, it's easier to justify a defensive lineman because he's going to start right away. He's going to come in and play a ton of snaps for you along the interior, whereas you know you have a, a starter in 2020 at offensive tackle or at linebacker. So I think for Green Bay, the flexibility that this is creating for them is nice. Now, if you add a defensive lineman, then that allows you to go in and break your trend, get a receiver in the first round. In a, in a, I know it's a deep draft, but I've made my opinions clear on this. I think there is a, a fall off after the top 50 in, in receivers, which means Green Bay, if they don't take one in the first, is going to get clearly a secondary player, not someone who could be a primary or even a main secondary option. You know, a Chris Godwin type second receiver. And and there aren't that many in the NFL. So if you can get a guy, even a Golden Tate type second receiver, then, you know, you, you have someone who can really make an imprint on your game. Well, if you don't do that in the first, it's going to be harder to do that later Adding a defensive lineman for cheap. You can't really add a receiver for cheap. I don't think Brashad Perriman is going to be cheap, and, and none of the big-name receivers are going to be cheap. You can add a defensive lineman for cheap, which allows you to go in prioritizing receiver and still take some of these other players if good value is available when you're picking. So Nick Foles was not the only quarterback news of the day. We've had a lot to talk about, so we're having to play catch-up here. And that means we're behind a little bit on some of this news. Tom Brady's going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. <laughs> That's pretty big news. And we haven't had a chance to talk about it. it. It tilts the balance of power in the NFC a little bit. And at least according to Las Vegas, it, it vaults them into the upper echelon in the NFC. Now, I don't personally think that's true. I think Tom Brady going trying to learn a new system at age 43. I understand Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones, I mean, the, the weapons they have are plus. The offensive line, not great. And it's a downfield scheme. Tom Brady has been dinking and dunking his way to Super Bowls for a decade. He doesn't want to sit back there and let guys get open and throw the ball downfield. It's just not really his game at this point in his career. So how do they adjust to that? There are a lot of question marks there, but the Packers and the Bucks play this year. So assuming everyone's healthy when they meet, 
we will get one more, at least, Rodgers-Brady matchup. And it could be a team that the Packers are battling in the NFC for a playoff spot. Now, speaking of teams who could be battling for playoff spots, Teddy Bridgewater was a name who was linked to Chicago early in the free agent process. And he's going to Carolina. He's going to be their starter. And that means that they are going to trade Cam Newton. Now, there are there is some dispute over whose idea that is. And, you know, I, there are strange fonts on Instagram involved. And I, we're, we're still waiting to see how this plays out. I, I think... You know, the the scenario that is being floated out there that the, the Patriots could somehow grab Cam Newton and roll forward with that. I don't see that. Apparently, they want to go a cheaper route. But Cam Newton can go help a team right now. I would love him in L.A. I think with the Chargers, that would be a great fit. They signed Brian Bulaga. They've made some other signings. I signed Chris Harris. Uh, they're going to be a very good defense next year. They've got weapons offensively already. You bring in an offensive lineman to make your your protection better, your run blocking better, and that could be a, a playoff team in 2020. Where does he go? But in terms of the Panthers, you have Teddy Bridgewater now going to an offense where you've got DJ Moore, you've got Curtis Samuel, you've got a, a young tight end in Ian Thomas that you like, and you have the best running back in football. Someone who's going to catch a lot of passes for you. Someone who's going to give you juice out of the backfield and in the running game. In a rhythm passing game with Joe Brady, who already knows Teddy Bridgewater and who Teddy Bridgewater already knows from their time in New Orleans. This is a no-brainer. And I think their offense is going to be better than people realize. Now, I know the defense is going to take a step backward. They move on from Eric Reed. Vernon Butler goes out the door. Mario Addison out the door. Luke Keekley retires. They've got a lot of defensive pieces that they're going to have to you know, rejuvenate here. But I think offensively, they could be really good. And if they are, that gives you an opportunity to win a bunch of games. They could be in that 7, 8, even 9 win range if you get an impact defender at the top of the draft. If Isaiah Simmons is there at 7, if Jeff Okuda somehow falls and is there at 7, he can come in now and change your defense and, you know, let's say the Saints take a step back. The Falcons, a lot of questions with their defense. Let's say Tom Brady in Tampa Bay is a disaster. That's not off the table. Tom Brady was not good last year. So, you know, I think the Panthers could be a team fighting for some, some room here. And again, we still, we still have this big quarterback domino yet to fall. Andy Dalton in the trade market still. I think, you know, the, the expectation was he was going to be a, a bear. Well, now is he a Patriot? And there's still a lot of dominoes to fall here. And and are the, are the Cowboys going to work out a long-term deal with Dak Prescott? Where is Jameis Winston going to go? There might be too many quarterbacks and not enough job openings. And one of these guys is going to have to take a backup role. Could there be you know some, some competition we don't even see coming at this point? Add into all of that that there are three, four, maybe five quarterbacks that... that teams could love in this draft and suddenly this is really going to be a fascinating story to watch over the coming days and, and potentially weeks as we head toward the NFL draft I want to finish up here uh, uh, addressing some of the reporting around players the Packers could be interested in uh, we, we found out on Wednesday that Josh Bynes a linebacker is someone that the Packers have been talking to now Tom Silverstein reported that it is just conversations at this point. 
and not to get too excited, but he is definitely a player that I've had my eye on going back to last year. He's someone who is perpetually underrated. He's been a very good player over the last few seasons and and really hasn't been talked about that much because he's just not a flashy guy. He is not a, a high-volume guy, and he just goes and, and plays, does his role wherever he's been, started his career in Baltimore, and I think that was where part of the appeal was. Milt Hendrickson uh, knows him, and and you, know, you think, okay, he's been underutilized over the course of his career. I, I think that's right. I think he's been underappreciated. Could he come in and be, you know, um, a solid third linebacker for you, or I guess second linebacker for the Packers in those base formations? I mean, they're only gonna if they're only gonna play them, and BJ Goodson is now in Cleveland. If they're only gonna play those two inside linebacker formations thirty percent of the time, then someone like Josh Bynes, who's a little bit of a journeyman, thirty years old, they Packers could do a lot worse. I think he'd be better than BJ Goodson. He's been really good the last two years despite not getting the love for it. Bynes was the 10th graded linebacker by Pro Football Focus among guys who played at least 20 snaps last year. 10th, 15th in coverage, and was a top 20 guy by grade two years ago. So that's, that is an interesting name to watch. And the other one is a name that I think a lot of Packer fans are going to know, and that's Delaney Walker. The connection there being obvious uh, with, with Matt LaFleur in Tennessee – He is 35. He's had major injury issues each of the last two seasons, but played 14 or more games for 11 straight years before that, if he's healthy. And that's a big if, because the reason he's not on the the Titans now is because he was not healthy, but also because they had Jonu Smith. If Delaney Walker is healthy, and if he wants to keep playing, it makes sense for the Packers because he still has more juice than Mercedes Lewis, but has the same sort of blocking acumen and ability so you bring him in here let him sit for a year let Jay Sternberger sort of bide his time he, he becomes tight end two. Delaney Walker becomes a little bit more front and center in terms of his prominence but you, you give Sternberger his shots right and then in year three Jace becomes the guy at tight end moving forward Walker takes his his back seat more like Mercedes Lewis last year. And if it doesn't work out, I think Mercedes Lewis, who wants to play and and really enjoyed playing in Green Bay, makes a ton of sense, already has a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, there there is a continuity there, knows Matt LaFleur's offense. All of those things work in his favor. We're going to be back tomorrow. Free agency officially open and a lot more to get to. We also have a special guest coming on Friday, Joe Thomas who played with Christian Kirksey and is is obviously an offensive lineman connoisseur, um, a Milwaukee boy, Brookfield. His school was in my conference growing up. I wa- He was a little bit older than me. I watched him play basketball, watched him play football. We never went up against each other, luckily, thank God. But um, he's going to be on the show to talk about the, the two additions the Packers made. It's right in his wheelhouse. And he, was, he had a, a heartfelt message to Christian Kirksey Um, talking about the guy and the teammate that he was. So I think he's going to have a really interesting insight into what's going on with the Packers and their newest acquisitions. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime 
you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.